Well, this morning we continue our journey through 1 Samuel. We look at 1 Samuel 25. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 25. And as we do that, or as you find your place in the app, let's take a moment and let's pray. But let's pray together. Because I believe that I will be the one standing up here making all the noise. But really, God has called us to a time of Bible study together. And if this is a time where I stand up here and I make noise and then we all walk out and go to lunch, then it is time wasted. And so let's pray together and ask that together, as we study this word together, that God would open up our hearts In our minds to hear what it is that he has for us this morning. And so I will pray for us. But as I pray, you pray as well silently along with me and ask what it is that the Holy Spirit has to show you in his word this morning. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we know That you have a word for us this morning and I pray right now that you would empty me of myself, Father, move me out of the way. Because I in and of myself have nothing to offer. You are the one that have the words of life because you are the one that have given us life. And so I pray this morning as we spend time studying your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds, Lord. Help us to see what it is that you want us to see, where it is that we need to take this word and to apply it to our lives so that we walk out of here a people that are changed in some way, Father, a work that only you can do. And so I ask this morning that you would speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. 1 Samuel 25. Get as comfortable as you can because we're going to read the whole thing. Starting in verse 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you and peace be to your house and peace to be all that you have. 
I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm and they missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we come on a feast day. Please give us whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David. And then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from where I do not know where? So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, every man strap on his sword and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword and and about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us and we suffered no harm and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both by night and by day and all the while we were keeping with them the sheep. Now, therefore, know this and consider what you should do for a harm is determined against our master and against all his house. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail made haste. And took two hundred loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five sayas of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down towards her and she met them. Now, David had said, surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David and more also if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried And got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your servant. Did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting 
the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from the hollows of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you as prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord taking vengeance himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from avenging myself with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me truly by morning. There had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal and behold, he was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, And has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Anoahim of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. Now, you know, whenever you... Hear somebody talk about being angry or anything like that. There's always these coping techniques, mechanisms that they say, you know, you need to just take a deep breath. Breathe in, breathe out and let the anger just flow out of you. Or if somebody sends you a nasty email, you're supposed to write a nasty email right back to them. But instead of hitting send, you hit delete. Or maybe if you're like me, you have to go for a run and just take some of that energy that you feel, that pent up aggression and just take it out and just knock off the miles and go for a run, exercise, do something like that. There's all these techniques that all of these people have and all of these things. As we see, David 
didn't really have that available to him. And so David, as we read today, comes and he meets somebody. And he has this great insult that is given to him and he's angry. And he's mad. And the story, I think, gets contrasted with what we saw last week when we see in chapters 24 and 26, when David shows great wisdom and great restraint in not killing the man who was trying to kill him. Like Saul was legitimately trying to kill him and had tried to kill him. And David is on the run and he has two separate opportunities to kill Saul and he doesn't. And yet here in chapter 25, David gets insulted by someone. And he and all his men strap on their swords and they hit the warpath and they're ready to go massacre these people. And so I think we can see this morning that in the same way that David needed God's wisdom to avoid a mistake that he was about to make. That so we, every day in our lives, need God's wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit to avoid mistakes that we see, and that we encounter every day in our daily lives. So let's set the scene here a little bit. Let's try to unpack this a little bit and figure out how all of this works and why all of these things come about. We see that David moves into this this wilderness area of my own, and we meet these these two new characters to us. We meet Nabal and we meet Abigail. And the interesting thing about Nabal is that the Hebrew word for fool is the word Nabal. And so this would be like if you meet somebody for the first time and you say, Hi, my name is Sam, and they say to you, Hi. My name is Moron. And you're like, uh, like, is that a nickname? Nope. Mom and dad gave it to me. Tell you what, I live up to it, too. Every day, I am a moron. I mean, you're like, OK. And the, and the author tells us, well, what does he say? He says that he was harsh and badly behaved. I mean, that's a, such a such a nice, gentle way to put that. You know, like you think about like a little child that's badly. Behaved. No, we're talking about a rich man here, someone who has great wealth, who is considered harsh and badly behaved. And I think probably all of us can think of some adults that we know that maybe we could use that description and say, this is so and so here harsh. And badly behaved, bless their heart. But yet we see that Nabal is the one that really lives up to his name because his name actually means fool. But yet look at how Abigail is described. She's described as beautiful and smart. And so this is the first time that we meet them, but this isn't the first time that David and his crew have encountered them. Apparently, this whole time, David and his crew have been protecting Nabal and all of his flocks and all of his sheep, his goats and all of these people. And so David hears that Nabal is now in Carmel and that he's shearing his sheep. And so he sends his men basically to receive payment for services rendered. 
And this may seem a little bit strange to us, but this is a, a pretty regular tradition that was given. And there's a couple of reasons why I think that David and he kind of outlines it here later on in the chapter that, that David felt comfortable doing this. I mean, number one is that here is Nabal and he's shearing his sheep. So he's pulling all of this wool off of his sheep ostensibly to sell and that he's going to have great wealth. And David is looking at him saying, hey, look, if me and my men had not guarded you and your flocks, you wouldn't have nearly as many sheep left to shear. We prevented any harm from coming to them, whether it be from wild animals or anything else. We protected you. We helped you. And then while we were with you, we didn't plunder you ourselves. So instead of being these mercenaries that just decided as sometimes an occupying army would do that everything in the land was owed them and that because they were the biggest, baddest one on the block that they could just take what they wanted. No, instead, David and his men were faithful and protected Nabal. And so he comes to him and he says, hey, we've done all of these things for you. How about a little something for the effort here? And Nabal basically comes back and says, who are you? Why should I do Like, There's all kinds of people that are coming up to me all the time. Like, nobody has any. Who are you and why are you doing this? Nobody has any respect for anybody anymore. And so this is the message that is delivered to David. He insults them. And so David now, understandably, gets mad. He's angry because Nabal has now insulted him and said, who are you? I mean, think about this in the in the broader context of the book of First Samuel. What have we seen in First Samuel all through this? That God has had his hand on David's life. David has been anointed to become the next king of Israel. But is he living in a palace now? No, he's hiding in caves like a wild animal because he is hunted by Saul. He knows that God has something great for his life. And I may be reading a little bit into this, but I think I see at this point just frustration starting to set in with David is saying, God, how many more years am I going to have to do this? Where this guy comes to me and insults me and says, who are you? Why should I care what you think? David says, oh, really? I'm going to give you about three good reasons. And they come one Two and these guys behind me. And so David straps on his sword and he's ready for battle. And this is, I believe, the first time that we see David, our hero, the hero who up to this point has always been the one that's been level headed, always is set up in contrast to Saul. We expect this from Saul. We've actually seen this from Saul. What happened When the men of the temple helped out David, Saul came behind them and slaughtered all of them because they helped his enemy. And David here, who we've been used to seeing as our hero, who we're used to as someone that can do no wrong. I mean, this is the guy that killed Goliath. This is the guy that has led all these raids. This is the guy that has done all these wonderful and amazing things. The guy that is set up against Saul as you know, Saul, the bad guy, David, the good guy. This is this is the part of the story that we're used to. 
And then we read the story and we're like, yeah, David, go get him. We read a little bit further and we're like, no, David, don't go get him. Stay right there, buddy. We see that David becomes blinded by his anger. And his rage that he feels. And he's going to go up and he's going to do exactly the same thing that Saul has done. And he's going to massacre these people. And did Nabal deserve it? Yes, absolutely. But how many innocent servants, how many innocent men were there? He's actively, David is acting impulsively because of his anger. Now, don't hear me say that anger is a bad thing because it's not. There are many, many things in the world that we should be angry about. There's much injustice that angers God and we should be angry about those things. And even when someone insults us, we can be angry. But Ephesians 4.26 tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun set on your wrath. It doesn't say don't be angry. There's nothing wrong with being angry. It's what comes after that. It's because anger, like we see in David here, who's about to go massacre innocent people. Anger drives us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. Blinds us to the things that we know are wrong and that we do them anyway. We say things that we wish we wouldn't because we were angry. We do things that we wish we hadn't done because we were angry. And so there's no place where the Bible tells us not to be angry. It tells us in our anger, do not sin. And then it tells us to not hold on to it. And so we see that David is there and he's ready to go. And thankfully... There's this unnamed servant that shows up and tells Abigail and Abigail swiftly moves into action and she grabs all of these things. She meets David and she begs for mercy because she understands the problem. She sees and we see this later that God has sent her to intervene on David's behalf because David is going to become king. It may not look likely now he may be on the run. He may be in caves. But eventually David is going to become king. And there doesn't need to be anything in his background where somebody can come up to him and say, well, I'm not going to listen to what you said because you just massacred all these people when Nabal insulted you. That's not a very kingly thing to do. And so Abigail comes and prevents him. And it is wise for us to listen To the counsel of others. When we come to a place, especially when we're highly emotional, like we find David here. And we may not always have somebody that will come to us like Abigail came to David to prevent that. But we do have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. that comes to us. When we become a Christian. And it's pretty easy for us to shut that off sometimes. It's pretty easy for us to push that to the side and say, nah, I'm good here. I'm going to do my own thing. But I think in times we become highly emotional, whether it be from anger or something else. It's wise for us to take a step back. Because we don't see David asking God what God wanted him to do, do we? God had a plan for Nabal, didn't he? We see that. But David decided, nope, I know what's best and I'm going to go do this myself. 
He didn't ask God what God wanted him to do. And so I think sometimes, as hard as it may be, when you're seeing red and steam's coming out of your ears, it's wise for us to take a step back and say, God, what do you want me to do here? What is right for me in this situation? What would be honoring and glorifying to you? Because I am angry and I want to take my revenge. But is that what you really want me to do? And so David relents from his anger. And he and Abigail then recognize and see and both of them praise God for preventing this bloodshed. That God has preserved David to be an upright king. And we know later on that he will still make mistakes. But this one stays off of his permanent record because he doesn't follow all the way through. And so they praise God. And we see that Nabal's name meant fool. But really, in this situation, Nabal certainly acted out his name, but David was being foolish as well. And so... If that's true of David, a man after God's own heart, how much is that true of ourselves as well? We can get so caught up in our emotions, so caught up in what it is that we want to see happen. That that person has insulted us and we really want to get them. But that may not be what God has for them. And so Abigail returns home and we see... She really is somebody that's wise. She realizes that you cannot reason with a drunk person. I don't know if you've ever tried that. It's not wise. It's not smart. It's a waste of your time. And so she waits until the next morning. She tells Nabal what has happened. And what happens? He has a stroke. And then, what do we read? Ten days later, what happens? God says, all right, Nabal, thank you very much. It's amazing to me how it is that we see God's faithfulness to David and God's justice towards Nabal. There's two people in the same chapter. And yet, because one has decided to follow God in David and one, as Nabal, has decided to do his own thing. And so God restores David, protects David, keeps David. And God pays back Nabal. And we don't know what it is that God is doing in the life of those people that really make us angry. Those people that we really want to lash out at. Those people that really, really deserve something bad. But it's not our place. God is the one that is the final judge. God is. Is the one who will have his vengeance. And that is a hard, hard thing to accept sometimes. Because there are some really, really nasty people walking around in this world that seem like they've got it all. I mean, look at Nabal. The man's name is fool. And yet he's described as having all of these riches. He's got everything. He's got this beautiful wife who is wise that he clearly does not deserve. I mean, all of these things, by the world's standard, he's prospering. 
And yet, because of his actions, God judges him and ultimately takes him out. Now, I'm not saying that someone that insults you is going to get killed by God. Don't hear me say that. But God will judge the actions of people around us and us, too. And so I think it's wise for us to let God do his work. Let him carry out the punishment and the judgment that he has for people. Not that we decide that they should have. Not that we think that they should have. But let God do his work. Let God be God. And that is so hard to do. So hard to do. Because we see so many people that are out there that we really think, God, please just... I know you're not really in the smoting business anymore, but please smite them. But we have to... Rest in God's providence. Rest in his faithfulness. And so David again praises God. Because God has shown his faithfulness and his justice to David. And David begins to see that. And you have to think, what an encouragement must this have been to David. Here he is, hiding in a cave, running from Saul. Saul is still the king. Seems like he can do whatever he wants, chasing after David, massacring people all over the place with seemingly just no consequence whatsoever. And you have to think that David was discouraged. I know I would be. And yet here, God shows his judgment against an enemy of David, against someone who has spoken out against David. And so you have to think then in some small way this has given David some encouragement, and I think it can give us some encouragement today as well, to know that God is a God of justice. It may not happen in the time frame that we want it to, but God is a God of justice. And that David was saved through a huge mistake by God's intervention through Abigail. But God is a God of justice. And so that presents a problem for us because we, you and I, are sinful, broken people. And if God is a God of justice, that means that he has to bind somebody to pay the penalty for sin. But in the same way that we see that David was saved from a huge mistake by God's intervention through Abigail, in the same way we are saved by God's intervention through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, and then, not because of anything that he had done, but because of all the things that you and I had done. All the times when you and I are angry and we lash out instead of listening to God, Jesus paid the penalty on the cross for that. Satisfied the wrath of God, drank the cup, and didn't just drink a sip of it, drank the whole thing and held it up and said, it is finished. Jesus defeated sin and death once and for all. And because of that, you and I can have a relationship with God. And so we see that David here shows his imperfection. 
And in the same way that we see that all throughout Samuel, we've seen this imperfect line of kings and servants and people that weren't worthy to be entrusted with the ultimate kingdom of God. Eventually, we understand that Jesus was the one servant who was able to be entrusted with the kingdom of God. David was imperfect, but Jesus was not. Jesus was perfect. And because of that, you and I can have a relationship with him. And so even a man who is a man after God's own heart, even a man like David, came to a place where he needed God's intervention in his life. How much more so do we? We constantly need the leading of God through his Holy Spirit to avoid making sinful mistakes And avoid making messes out of all of the things in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us enough to intervene in our lives. We thank you that you've loved us enough to send your son to die on the cross for us. So that the mistakes that we made are not permanent. but They are washed away. And that they are seen through the righteousness of God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We pray, Lord, in the same way that David relented from his anger and was willing to listen to wise counsel, Lord, that we would do the same. That you would lead us and guide us and bring us to a place where we can trust you and that we can walk more fully by the leading and the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.